Good morning, and welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Katie Howe, and I have the privilege of being on staff here. We want you to get connected in the life of our church. And to do that, we would love for you to fill out those digital connection cards, either on your screen or put it in your bulletin. You can also do, do so through our website, phumc.com connect. We have many ministry opportunities throughout the week, and we would love to get to know you better. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We hope you enjoy our service. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Kathleen McMurray, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so thankful to be with you in this time of worship today. We are continuing in our worship series, Acts of Faith, in which we are looking at how we live out our faith. We're receiving testimonies and stories from people in our church, which we're so excited about, um, but we are... Also excited that you were here to bear witness to your faith in this time of worship this morning. I want to say a word of welcome to those who have gathered here in person as well as those who are worshiping with us online and want to make sure that all of our children who are worshiping with us received a children's pack either in our lobby or at phumc.com kids. Um, we want to make this worship service accessible for everybody um, and so we also have uh, earplugs in the back if if the noise gets a little loud for you uh, we want to make sure that everybody has an accessible worship experience this morning because no matter who we are no matter what we've done no matter what we struggle with in life we know that God meets us wherever we are um, whatever our faith looks like God meets us in that place and we welcome one another into this place this morning uh, as we seek to be faithful followers of Jesus together God welcomes us, let us worship God this morning. Good morning friends, let's stand together and worship this morning. now to yours 
presence, there is freedom. In your presence, we are made whole. Sing it out. In your presence, there is freedom. In your presence. morning holy god as we just sing we know that in your presence there is freedom and in your presence we are made whole and we just ask that your presence is here with us today god fill this place we love you so much in your name we pray amen we're going to teach you a new one it goes like this who is what rocks cry out to us Glory taught the stars to shine. Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing. But this joy is mine. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve.
When we come together as a community, one of the things that turns a group of strangers into a real Christian community is that we share in our joys and concerns. And so today during this prayer, you will have the chance to name aloud or under your breath or silently in your heart, the things that you want God to bless in your life, your concerns, your joys, whatever you bring to the table. Let us pray. God, we hear you. We hear you calling in our hearts, reaching out to us in the midst of changing seasons, graduations, next chapters, and warm summer breezes. God, we offer our concerns this morning. We pray for all that are experiencing grief, God. We pray for Ray Porter and family in the death of his cousin, Robert Foshi. God, and we pray for all who are ill, 
and recently hospitalized, we pray for Gloria Cleveland, Carol Kaur, Thurman Couch, Gwen Efford, Verna Jackson, Linda Jones, Dickie Lunsford, and Jean Harris. God, we name what is heavy and what is on our hearts that is concerning before you now. We also thank you for joy. God, we thank you for warm socks from the dryer and laughs shared around a meal. Our life has such beautiful and bright moments, oh God. You are the God of the valley and the mountaintop, and these joys are, are yours. God, we thank you for Mindy Burton, our new member, God. We, we just ask that our congregation blesses her. God, we name our joys before you now. merciful God, we acknowledge that you are not out there somewhere looking down on us, but you are right here, here with us because you love us. We worship you and remember this day, all who have been victims of violence, God. We've seen so much violence in our world. We pray for those experiencing fear and sadness in the ongoing war in Ukraine, and for those on our own home soil that have been the victims of hateful violence, God. Bring them your comfort and your peace and stir in our hearts a renewed vision for a world where your love and goodness reign. God, in all things, we thank you for loving us so deeply and wholly that in our lifetime, you hold us near to you and strengthen us in your love. We pray for Christians gathered here and around the world that we might reveal this love in new and unexpected ways to all who need it so desperately. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're so incredibly thankful for the power of Christian community, for the power of belonging to a community in which we can gather and come fully ourselves with the fears and the anxieties about the violence and the hurt in our world and with the joys 
of new life and new birth and new relationships. We are so thankful to be a part of a community in which all of that stuff and all that we are is welcome and is embraced. And today I am so thankful that last Sunday, 33 young people made their profession of faith and their commitment to be a part of this community through confirmation. That is just so amazingly exciting that these young people, these, these teenagers are feeling the call to follow Jesus and to be a part of this community where we seek to follow Jesus and we don't always get it right, but where we try and where we want to do better and to bring all that we are and all that we have before God. We're so thankful for that. In this time of offering, we recognize though that, that that declaration that those young people make, this community that we seek to build is not possible without you, without the gifts of our community that make this life-giving community possible. And so in this time of offering, as we offer our gifts to God, seeking to be a part of God's work of transforming hearts and minds and lives through the ministries of our church, uh, you are invited to place a gift in the baskets as they are passed if you are here in person. You can also give electronically by text to give or give online as those instructions appear on the screen or if you are here inside your bulletin as well. And so as we offer our gifts to God at this time, as we seek to live into God's purpose and vision for our community, let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. God, as we offer these gifts to you this morning, we pray that you can use them, that you will use them and that you will multiply them, that you will enable them to blossom. <laughs> Enable them to be used for your purposes, that you will continue to guide and lead us as your community and as your church in your vision for what this all-encompassing, life-changing community looks like. Make us your people, O oh God, through these gifts that we give. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I give it all to you. 
Let's stand together this morning and sing. Sing, you are giving life. You are giving life to every dead and broken thing. You are calling to remain standing as you were able as we share in God's holy word for us today. Today, God's word as we continue in our Acts of Faith worship series comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. Let us receive these words. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave at once 
from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Trous, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Simothrace. The next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to our home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As you are seated, I invite you to take a moment to greet those around you. Faith means to me trusting that even though God may not answer my prayers in that exact moment, that he will be there for me and eventually those prayers will be answered in the way God sees fit for me and my family. Um, faith means to me for always believing in God and knowing that he's always there for me even if I make a mistake. I think it's unequivocally just having um, the belief that even though you don't have the answers to something, that it's still it's it's still okay to believe in something and put put your trust in something that it's ultimately going to work out the way it should, and that it might not be the answer you're looking for, but an answer will come one way or the other. Um, I I have talked a lot with some friends about how your faith and belief in God can be very situational, and I find that very true for me as well, that I was born into a family of faith, but was also given the opportunity to find that faith and belief in God for myself. And I'm happy to say I agreed. Um, but it, it has been a journey since the very beginning. Um, and I would say that was true for our relationship as well. It was a, a very early topic of, you know, if this thing works out, we're gonna go to church, you know? <laughs> True. I, I think it's an evolving process. I don't think anybody can necessarily say their faith journey is finished until the very end. I, I think that's back to what faith actually is, right? It's it's putting the belief in something. Um, and, and for us, so much of faith is nurtured and, and rooted in family. And it's because whether it's your church family or your nuclear family at home or whatever the case may be, whatever your family looks like, that is who's going to instill those values and help grow that faith, you know, nurture it along, it's, it's you know, like growing a flower, you know, you, you feed it, you water it, you do those kinds of things until it, until it blossoms and even then it's not done. It's, it's a cycle continues and there are times when your faith is strong and there's other times when your faith is not. I feel like this is going to sound cliche, but I feel like the daily question is, what would Jesus do? And using my faith and the teachings of Jesus is my moral compass of living a life worthy in his eyes.
A huge thank to the Stotts family and to all who are, have been sharing their faith stories. Next week, we'll hear um, our final faith story from our congregation, but we're so thankful for their stories that they are sharing, inviting us to consider what faith is for our lives. And that is what I believe our scripture invites us to consider today. Will you join me in an attitude of prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was little, it was quite the popular thing in middle school to try and envision and plan exactly what our lives were going to look like through a game called M.A.S.H., in this game, we were invited to write down and to envision through kind of this odd process of elimination who it was that we would marry, what our career would be, how many children we would have, how much money we would make, what kind of house that we would live in, etc., etc., etc. It was this envisioning for what our lives would look like. Now, surprising to us, perhaps, as 12-year-olds, our lives didn't exactly turn out the way that they did on our mash boards. But I think for all of us, there is this yearning to try and see and try and determine what it is our lives will look like. After all, as children, one of the biggest questions that we are asked as we go through school is, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? It is an invitation to ask us to consider what our lives will look like. We are being invited to envision this life that we would like to have. However, like me and my experience with MASH, many times what we envision our lives to look like doesn't always come to pass. Many times what we envision doesn't end up working out quite the way we thought. Today's scripture reading from the book of Acts catches us in the middle of Paul's journey to spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul and the other disciples have been busy traveling throughout the Middle East, spreading the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, preaching and healing and transforming lives and baptizing entire households and communities. They are spreading this powerful gospel message and they are going to do that wherever they feel God is leading them. But sometimes, where they wish to go, God says, nope, you're not supposed to go here. We're told, in fact, in the scripture immediately preceding our verses for today, that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So they're trying to go and to preach the gospel, but they're running into some roadblocks. There are some places that aren't receiving that gospel. And instead of pushing it through, like some of us might be tempted to do, they listen for what God is calling them to do. 
And so they find themselves kind of at this roadblock in Trous, awaiting a word from God because where they have, have tried to go and spread the gospel doesn't seem to be working out. But in that waiting, Peter receives a vision, a vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come and help us. And so Paul and the others that are gathered with him to spread this good news follow. They, they get on a boat from Traus and they travel up to Macedonia to the west. And as they do, as they come to Macedonia, which was known as a city of incredible political power, a city of incredible might, uh, and a city that had a lot of mighty acts associated with it. They had a really powerful army, a really powerful empirical place was Macedonia. And as they get there, they spend a couple of days trying to figure out exactly what they are to say and where they are to act and to preach and to go. Because Macedonia, as the city of empirical might, might not have been welcoming to that message of Jesus that was so counter to that message of power and might that really identified the city and the people of Macedonia. But on the Sabbath day, Paul and his companions go to preach the gospel. Now, because it was Macedonia, because it was in Europe and not in an area of the world that had a lot of Jewish synagogues, they don't go to the synagogue to preach the good news. In many of the places where they are traveling, they would start in the synagogues. But in Macedonia, they don't start in the synagogues, and in fact, they don't even start in the city. They go outside the city gates. Outside the city gates. They go to where people are, where they believe that there might be a time of prayer by the riverbank. And it's important for us to remember here that this all started, they started this journey to this place at this time because Paul had had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. But apparently they hadn't met that man yet. <laughs> and so here on the Sabbath day, they go outside of the city to the riverbank that they believe might be a place of prayer where they might find that man from Macedonia. But instead, they encounter a group of women, a group of women that are there on the riverbank. And one of the women that they encounter's name is Lydia. Scripture tells us that she was a dealer in purple cloth, which meant that she was a businesswoman. A rarity in some ways at that time for a woman to be an independent businesswoman, but she was there and she was a maker of purple cloth. Purple, which was a very expensive dye for cloth at that time. So we assume that perhaps Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman. And she may have been wealthy as well because she was a businesswoman from Thyatira, which was not in Macedonia. So she had traveled, she had the means and the capacity to travel to Macedonia in the first place, probably to do business in this empire state. 
And in fact, the region of Thyatira that she was from is the very region that Paul and his companions were blocked from going by the Holy Spirit. But Lydia, from Thyatira, hears their message and receives it there by that riverbank in Macedonia. Scripture tells us that she was already a God worshiper or a God fearer, as it says in some translations. That was a phrase used to refer to people who were Gentiles, but who sought to be faithful followers of Yahweh. They, they knew the message of their Jewish brothers and sisters who were living nearby, and while they were not of Jewish descent, and so they were not part of that community, God was working in their lives in some way. God was, was working in their hearts and minds, leading them and guiding them to God's vision for them even before Paul came to talk. God was working in Lydia's life, opening her up to receive that which Paul would invite her into, the good news of Jesus Christ, the life-transforming news of Jesus Christ that stood up and in contrast to the news of power and empirical authority and top-down leadership that was the center of that life in Macedonia, the center of her life, perhaps, as a businesswoman trying to do business in this patriarchal, power-structured culture. God was opening her up to receive a different way of living and being the good news of God for her life. And she does. She receives that good news. And as she does, and as she and her household are baptized, her life is changed. And not only is she then identified as this businesswoman, but she becomes a servant of the gospel and she invites Paul and the companions, those apostles, into her home. She begins to have a higher purpose in her life a higher vision for her life that perhaps was not what she expected, but which God had for her. I imagine in this story that Paul must have been a little bit surprised by what he encountered on that riverbank, by what he encountered in Macedonia. Surprised because his vision called for a man, from Macedonia, someone who was part of that powerful empirical structure, right? He was prepping for that man to say, come and help us. But instead, he encounters this woman who's not even Macedonian, a woman from Thyatira, from the region that he wasn't able to enter, who helps him. Confusing, perhaps. But Paul doesn't see the whole of God's vision. 
We don't know why exactly that is. Did Paul just miss the mark? Was his vision a little blurry there when he had that dream? Was God sending him a vision that wasn't exactly accurate because he thought that Paul might not listen to a woman from Thyatira and would be expecting a man from Macedonia? We don't know. We don't know why that vision was different, but what we do know is that as Paul followed God, even with that small portion of the vision that he saw for what God had planned, God did something amazing in that unexpected encounter. God did something amazing with that unexpected person to whom Paul was led. He may not have seen the big picture, but he followed anyway. And in it, in that following, in that going where he believed God was leading him and going with the flow when things didn't turn out the way that he thought that they would, God gave him something amazing. God gave him a new disciple who would open up her home, who would perhaps go and, and preach in Thyatira, in her home place where he wasn't allowed to go. Maybe she was the one that was called to preach that gospel there. God did something amazing in that unexpected encounter. While it is wonderful that we seek to plan out and to follow God's vision for our lives, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. Sometimes we don't see what God might have in store. But God can do amazing things in unexpected encounters. When I was in seminary, at one point, I was driving back to Chicago from Little Rock, where my family was from. And on the road, I was driving and I was trying to go over my sermon that I was going to preach at the church on Sunday. This was a Saturday, and so I was a little bit stressed and a little bit anxious being on the road on a Saturday, but I was pushing through, and I was going to get there to preach on Sunday morning. But on that Saturday, after about 10 hours in the car, an hour outside of Chicago, my car began to overheat. And I anxiously and angrily pulled over to the side of the road. I called AAA and I waited in that awful heat on the side of that highway, very scared, it's a big highway there outside of Chicago. As the wind of the cars drove by, my anxiety began to rise and to rise and to rise, to bubble up inside of me as I began to go through every scenario of what was going wrong and every scenario of what might continue to go wrong in the hours to come. And as I waited, I began to get more and more anxious, more and more angry at the situation and frustrated with what was going on. So that by the time that a lovely man named Ray 
in a red tow truck pulled up in front of me. I did not have patience for anything at that point. And as Ray began to talk to me and to chat with me, I found myself rolling my eyes inside my head, angrily saying, just get me to where I need to go and we'll be fine. <laughs> just get me where I need to go. I don't need to talk to anyone. I need to write my sermon. I, I need to get to where I need to go. This is how it was supposed to work. But I took a deep breath and as Ray began to invite me into the car, he began to share his story. And I began to listen rather than simply muttering angry thoughts inside my head. And Ray told me about his life as an immigrant from Libya. He told me about his experience of faith. He told me about his passion for interacting with people in love. And as he shared his story, I felt that tension and that anger in my body release. As I received in that unexpected encounter, the grace of God. The grace of God inviting me to step out of my anxiety and frustration over what I envisioned had to be in order for me to achieve God's purpose for me that weekend and to receive the person that was in my path that could be an agent of the grace of God. In Ray's story, I saw beauty and I saw God and I saw grace and I saw love and kindness and compassion that soothed the anxieties of my soul. That unexpected encounter enabled me to experience the grace of God in a way that I hadn't before. Whether it is Ray, whether it is Lydia, whether it is women at the banks of a river, God often speaks to us in unexpected ways and in unexpected encounters. It may not be the way that we envision things, but God is nonetheless working, leading us and guiding us in a way of being and a way of living that speaks love and light into broken places, that speaks a different kind of world into existence in light of a world of violence and hatred. Let us receive the good news today that God is working, that God is transforming and that God's grace is active. Not only here at church, but out in the world. It is my prayer that we can experience the grace of God in unexpected encounters and be transformed and changed by that grace. Amen.
community, one of the ways that we experience those unexpected places where God meets us and gives us that grace that we see and feel that grace is by being a formal part of what we do here. And so if you, have, if you are someone that has been visiting and wants to be a part of what we do in a formal way, uh, as imperfectly as we sometimes are, but are still trying and working, if you would like to be a part of a community like that, that wants to experience God's grace and share God's grace with the world, you are invited during this last song to meet me and Reverend McMurray up here. Uh, and after the song, you can take the vows of the church. If you are worshiping with us online and you would like to be a part of our Connect campus or our formal campus here, you are welcome to reach out to us on the platform that you're streaming from and we'll be in touch with you soon about being a part of this community here. Let us stand to worship this morning. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of Enlis glory To a cradle in the dirt Sing it out. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, sing praise forever to the King. Oh.
We have sung our praises, we have prayed, and we have worshiped God together. And so now let us go forth in the glory of God to share the love of our Lord Jesus Christ with all we meet, so that those who do not know it will find in God a generous and precious friend. So go in peace, have a great week, and tell somebody about Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church.